You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Adwikta. This is Murps. Hello. Uh, we are entering February, which means it's still cold, but we're nearing the Super Bowl. No arena updates because that's not... Huge what is going to happen? Arena updates, game-changing arena updates. Let me tell you what happened. Um, Demon Hunter's win rate dropped by like half a percent, and Warrior and Druid win rates went up by half a percent. But it may not sound like a big change, okay? That may not sound like a big change. You may be like, I don't care, and and that should be how you feel about it. But if you are playing the arena anyway, you will notice that the new cards that are added are actually showing up quite a bit because there's so many of them, and a lot of them, I think all of them, almost all of them, are neutrals. So they are making all the decks a little worse, a little more like just like kind of clunky and whatever. And so it's it's tamped down a little bit of the Demon Hunter excess and made Druids and Warriors a little bit more competitive. Uh, not game changing, but um, you know, it, it had more of an impact than I gave it credit for. Uh, which just goes to show, like, small changes in the arena offering rates uh, or adding new kind of bad or meh kind of cards, they really do uh, quite significantly change the meta. Um, the the big card is that, what we called last week as well, that uh, one mana 2-6 taunt, um, or a four mana 2-6 taunt, but can be brought out for one mana if you're getting hit a lot, which as a demon hunter, fa- facing a demon hunter, you will get hit uh, a lot. So it does change the meta a bit, and... Um, you know, makes the meta a little bit more even. Um, still still not a great meta, but it means that some things can happen now. Like last night, I was really surprised if you... Uh, not last night, Friday night. And this is going to come onto YouTube sometime this coming week, I think. Uh, and that is... I got a Druid to 12 wins. Uh, and, and not like a good Druid deck. There's no like Yasera hidden in the deck or like random whatever stuff. Uh, it was just kind of a bad Druid deck. That, like, didn't even fully curve out, didn't have a lot of cards in the high end. Um, it had very few buffs. Like, it just was was not a good deck. Uh, but it got to 12 because it was very lucky. Um, and uh, and I don't care how lucky you were. Uh, it's rough for that deck to get 12. Um, so, I think the meta is a... It's, it feels a little nicer than it was before. Um, so, yeah. So... Not a lot has changed, but not nothing. Not nothing. And uh, check out that YouTube video later in the week when it comes up. It'll, uh, it's, a, it's a fun run, because it is a bad deck. All right. That's Arena. Like we said last week, we're not going to have too much to talk about in the coming weeks. And by coming weeks, potentially coming months, it's really just going to be the expansion that we look forward to, I'm assuming. And then we just have to hope for one huge update on how they plan on doing Arena going forward. They want to change it anyways. Their hand was forced because TN left. And now we're in this situation. So Mm -hmm. enjoy getting snowfalled three turns in a row. It's just the way it's going to be. Okay. Let's talk about BGs. Because let's face it, BGs, that's where it's at right now. Especially in the past week. We had the Buddy patch. We talked about it last week. If you don't know about the Buddies, just go to the Blizzard patch notes. Look at all of the Buddies because there's 75 of them. There is literally no way for me to sit down and describe all of them. That would take forever. We don't want that. But what we should do today is a few things. Number one, let's talk about where the meta is right now. Number two, let's talk about a little bit of drama and controversy that happened when Buddies dropped and also how this reflects on BG's going forward, design process, and then I'll tell you guys what I think about it, if you care. So look, Buddies came out, uh, and let's go look at HS Replay for a second. I think that is a good jump off point for us to talk about these Buddies And if you look at the meta, the buddy meta compared to the pre-buddy meta, you're like, whoa, 
it's wildly imbalanced. And it is definitely a bit of a fiesta right now. Part of the issue is the armor's gone. And armor used to make bad characters less bad. They actually even made some bad characters pretty decent. If you remember, pre, um, pre-buddy, you know, like during the armor system in the Avenge meta, Malagos was actually really good. If you looked at HS Replay stats, is Malagos bad now? No, Malagos is fine because its buddy is okay, right? So Malagos is perfectly fine. It's, it's a pretty good buddy if you look at the stats. Uh, however, you have a lot of newcomers at the top and the stats are very skewed. So in the armor system, I remember the number one hero, uh, it was Malagos for a decent amount of time, but its win rate was like 3.9. So really a very healthy meta and one that's easily tuned by just giving them more armor, giving them more health. Mm. Right now for the top 1%, and I'll tell you guys right now, top 1% HS replay, it's hard to track because it it's moving so fast after a reset. But I, I do believe just based on my experience, because I have been playing some BGs and also watching some streams, hearing feedback from the top players uh, that, this is pretty representative. The number one hero right now, like, and I think in a pretty dominant fashion, is Illidan. And if you guys know, Illidan has just been poop since Illidan has come out, essentially. Uh, whereas his passive just doesn't really do enough. Yeah, you could, you know, if you're able to do scam pirates, if you're able to get some beast builds, it's really good. But you have to get there, and Illidan didn't really help you get there initially. Now, Illidan, and with its buddy, when you combine Wingman, its passive hero power, with immune while attacking, oh, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you just see these crazy turns in the late game, and even in the mid-late game, where Illidan is able to, like, invincible cleave three times before the opponent... <laughs> is able to do anything at all. Uh, you put poison on there, right? Like you just got this invincible attacking poison amalgadon or even just a spore. You know, you pick up a spore that's really good. So Illidan has crazy, crazy tempo, um, but not just tempo, you know, you're just adding invincibility, you know, divine shield, basically wind fury to, to all of this stuff. So extraordinarily powerful. That just goes to show you, number one, uh, kind of, okay, the buddy is tier two. We have seen that, yes, tier two buddies tend to be really good. And if you're a tier four buddy, goddamn, you better have a really, really good buddy. Otherwise, your hero is just dead. You're just dead before you are able to do anything. And there's no armor to save you here. There's no adjustments. There's no giving you eight armor at the beginning of the game. So you're just kind of uh like whatever gap there was between you uh and the top classes now there's even more of a gap so for example if you look at some really bad heroes for example let's talk about uh afk right or if you want to talk about someone like tess who has a tier four buddy and it's slow you're just not going to make it so AFK was always a, a, just not a good hero. Tess was situationally a, at best, decent hero. But now with the buddies, you can't just be okay. You have to keep up with the synergies that these buddies have with hero powers. And it's just really, really tough for heroes. So the gap and the standard deviation between what was acceptable before and what's acceptable now, bad classes versus good classes. It's a huge wide chasm now. Um, let's talk about the second best hero, Maleficent. Once again, Illidan and Maleficent are at the top. This is unheard of as well. Maleficent hasn't been good since the start of BG's period, ever. You know, we're talking about meta in which Curator was good, Maleficent was good, and now, hey, Curator is also pretty good, and Maleficent is number two in win rate. 
And Maleficent's buddy is the Squirrel Bomb, in which uh, it's a tier 3, but the Death Rattle is deal 4 damage to an enemy minion. Repeat for each of your mechs that died this combat. And it works on so many levels. Number one, Death Rattle mechs have always been a legit build with Omega Buster on tier 6, you know. You, so it adds to a style of mech play that you wanted to trend towards anyways, sometimes. You know, you could play Divine Shield mechs, you could also just do the Omega uh, Buster, Divine Shield, uh, sorry, Omega Buster, Death Rattle, Baron build. The Squirrel works with that beautifully uh as well and then you could also do kangors with the squirrel you can like put squirrel first and then do kangors and then just stabilize in the mid game by just playing some mechs and then you can go find those death rattle pieces right whether it's kangors uh baron etc it's also just a really fun one seeing bombs go off i think a lot of people like that uh, and let's just go through the, the next few and, and talk about how these sort of represent the meta. Uh, then you have Zyrella with the baby Alec, which is after you play a minion with attack equal to its health, gain plus two plus two. Uh, the, the baby Alec itself gains plus two plus two. So tier two uh, hero. Uh, and then you have Vol'jin, which is uh, it's a tier three minion at the end of your turn. Adjacent minions copy this minions attack these are two heroes and oh, let's talk about the next one as well tavish which has crabby uh it's a tier three beast minion it also has a tag some of these you'll see have a tag which is pretty impactful after your hero power fires and if you remember tavish a new hero every single turn the damage ramps up and you can choose where to hit aim high aim ho aim aim ho aim low aim left aim right so don't aim towards a divine shield minion you can give adjacent minion stats equal to the damage dealt you want to be looking at heroes that have strong immediate synergy with their hero powers the game is trending in a fashion in which it is less and less about just playing what the game kind of gives you uh, and more so, you have to immediately identify what tribes work with your class, what tribes have to be in for you to pick your hero, and you have to force a couple, you know, go towards comps just a little bit more. Whether or not that is healthy, whether or not you think that is the meta for you, that's up to you. I, I can tell you guys personally, I don't love that. But everything is new. A lot of things are fun. You can pull off some crazy stuff. And for an example, we're, we just talked about Tavish. And if you look at Tavish, you shouldn't be surprised to see that its strongest correlation with Tribe is Dragon. Because Krabby is just a better promo Drake, uh, essentially. So you, you're just a hero with like an, a better promo Drake and a hero power that can deal scaling amounts of damage at the start of combat. Um, and then you have heroes that are pretty good and uh, give you kind of scaling, right? So we talked about Zyrella. It's just cheap scaling. Like, it just scales itself. You have George, which is immediately after Tavish. George is a tier 3 uh, buddy and it says after you use your hero power give your divine shield minions plus two attack so it's just giving you a way to scale one of the problems of bgs not really problems but something you have to do is you have to find your scaling if your buddy just gives you ways to scale whether your entire board through george's buddy whether just giving you another minion that gets huge like xyrella and with xyrella uh, you also have something like Curator, which is a tier 2 uh, mishmash, which has all tribes. And it says, whenever your amalgam gains stats, this gains them too. So it's just a bucket of extra stats. And it keeps on growing, it keeps on growing. Um, this is sort of what you're looking for in this meta now. Your buddy has to be relevant and has to play into what you have wanted to do or... Uh, it has to provide you such a powerful new win condition to overcome normal play. So 
if you want to take the good and the bad, it is this. The good is there is a lot more to learn here if you want to learn. Uh, there is just crazy pop-off potential. We're not even talking about combos. We're not even talking about just all this wacky stuff that happens when classes get buddies from other classes and that is possible through Murzon. That's possible through quite a few ways actually. But uh, the bad news is if you want the game to be very flexible, if you are looking towards uh, the game not being hero-centric, well, that's not as good for you because it is quite hero-centric right now. You do have to know certain strats for certain characters, and if you don't know them and if you're unaware, uh, you're probably giving up a lot of MMR. For example, if you're playing Lich Bazil, which is a good hero right now, it's solidly tier 2. If you remember Lich, uh, you can take 2 damage each turn to add a gold coin to your hand. Uh, Lich Bazil's buddy is a tier 3 minion that says whenever your hero would take damage, this minion gains plus 2 plus 2 instead. <clears throat> Demons. You have to immediately think demons. You have to immediately think, well, maybe I st uh, stay low, very low. Some people even st stay in tier one for basically forever, collecting the um, uh, Wrath Weavers, uh, collecting just all of the small demons. And then after they get tons and tons of those units, and uh, then they level up, you know, try to find other units but if you're staying on tier one you're also tripling into two and two has selfless heroes which are the things that you want anyways it's a lot of information guys it's it's a ton and ton and ton of information that you just kind of have to know and for example if you're picking lich bazil and there are no demons in probably have a better option there i mean i'm not gonna say for certain but you you probably have a better option there and if demons are in uh there are few heroes as good as lich in terms of just easy easy mmr there and this is the stuff that you just have to know about and also for example if you're facing tavish next you have to know that, okay, your Dazzling Elemental that you typically place at the last slot in your Warband, don't place it at the last slot. Some Tavishes will try to snipe your Nest Matron, will try to snipe your Dazzling Elementals at the very start of combat with their hero power. Okay, maybe you put it six, right? Um, these things really increase the knowledge that people will, will need in order to just not lose a decent amount of MMR or, you know, to prevent them from gaining a decent amount of MMR. Because let's face it, you don't know about the demon strategy from Lich Bazil. You're, you're giving up a, a ton of potential MMR there. You aren't familiar and you're facing Tavish next uh, and they snipe your Dazzling before combat even begins. That might be GG, because we know how snowball-y the game is. So, it requires quite a bit of knowledge. Um, let's talk a little bit about sort of... Because I've talked a little bit about the good, I've talked about the meta. I need to address one thing that I think you guys understand I'm frustrated uh, about. And um, that is just sort of the lack of information that we have and uh, about some mechanics of the game. Now, if you play Arena, this isn't surprising towards you. What are micro-adjusts? We have no idea. Blizzard doesn't even know. <laughs> Only one person kind of knew what it was. And look, I'm sure Tien was very busy as well, but when we had micro-adjusts, it never felt like the individual who did the micro-adjust had the greatest grasp of what exactly needed to be done. So let's just take a look at the buddy meter. Now, when the buddy meter came out, if you guys noticed, there is nothing in the game client that tells you what the buddy meter does. This meter pops up. If you scroll over it, it doesn't say anything. Nothing in the game gives you any sort of indication about what it is 
uh, and w- how anything sort of works towards it or contributes towards it. Uh, so people ask because this is information that people want. We talked about this last week. Yeah. We talked and we ended on it. We're like, oh, and the buddy meter? Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about the buddy meter. And, you know, 99.9% of players won't need to know it. Yeah. And uh, if you if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, Google it um, and and you'll have an answer. And, and, and we, were, we were wrong. Um, so... Because... People asked, and there was no answer. There was no answer. And look, this is a one of those things in which, for years, we have wanted more transparency in, uh, you know, these micro adjustments, which we know are not micro at all. And the answer that Blizzard gave back then for Arena is basically the answer that they're giving now for BGs. They don't want it to confuse players. And mm-hmm. uh, Celestalon had this famous kind of uh, message or quote in a Twitch chat somewhere um, where he basically says uh, the exact details of how that happens, and that is how the buddy meter fills, is extremely complex and would only add confusion for 99.9% of players. And it's one of those statements in which I... It's like, do I get what... Celestalon is talking about. I mean, he's yes. right. 100%. It's hard to deny that he's right. The one thing that I would, that I've always believed, and I, I'm, I still believe to this day, is there are people who want that information and who will mm-hmm. try to reverse engineer it. So even if you don't want to present it, for example, I understand why you don't want to present detailed kind of numbers in your game client. At least give those people who really want it some like blog posts, obscure mm. blog posts on the official website. Because is this going to prevent players from figuring it out? No. There are a lot of people playtesting. For example, I know Lorinda, uh, who is best known as a commentator for uh, multiple Hearthstone events, was trying to reverse engineer. Essentially just going to the game, doing one thing and being like, how many points did I get? And then just trying to control certain factors and then change certain factors and then trying to see how many points they get there because a lot of people actually want to know. And this is something in which when you're playing at the highest of levels, you do need this. If you remember us four, like five years ago, talking about micro adjusts, and I I, I remember the uh, example i use this was like back when shady was still playing this is back when we were still playing as well and i think the example i used was like okay you know if uh one of us wanted to do the leaderboard again and we were facing off with shady it's sort of like we know that each other and also anybody else wanting to get higher on the leaderboard needs this information when you're playing when you're playing at the very very top level You want to know, oh, epics are down like this much percent. And that means that, you know, ever since a few days ago, my chances of seeing this epic card are a little bit lower, et cetera, et cetera. You need that information. This is one in which the players who don't want it, okay, fine. You don't have to present it in the client. You don't have to give it to them. But when you are changing things about the game that actually impacts uh your ability to be competitive and to win i would like that information to be it's, it's a very simple thing where when you make a game you need to tell the players the rules that feels basic blizzard hasn't been doing that i mean blizzard's not the only one a lot of game companies actually don't do that anymore it's become so game companies used to not do it and then, uh, like way back when, and then, I don't know, I would say maybe 20 years ago, uh, game companies all started doing it because they got a lot of pushback from the player base. And nowadays, in the past ugh, five years or so, maybe even less than five years, game companies more and more are starting to hide this information again. Um, as the, the game development industry is not just an industry. It is also a rather smaller group of people and they're all looking at the same examples of success 
the same few examples of success and they all take home similar lessons. There's kind of this echo chamber that goes around if you're in uh, game dev forums or like Reddit or like just reading articles about what game dev is. I don't know about classes, but I assume they're going to be an echo chamber too because, you know, there's colleges now that offer uh, game dev courses um, like completely legit. But it's all become this big echo chamber so that ideas become fads. Like one of the biggest things that we spoke we speak up we spoke up a lot about before other people were really speaking up against it was that philosophy that everybody thought was great that you don't nerf you just buff, which was not a thing like back in the day, and then it became a thing, and then every single game developer was like, yeah, this is how you balance things, and we were like, this is stupid, and maybe like a year after we said that, you started getting like a very good portion of uh, if not the player base, at least other game developers saying, you know what, this is not really how game development works, and uh, now. If you are, I think we've gotten to the point where if you you talk to a, a game developer that knows that knows his, his or her shit, and you say, I just want to buff, I don't want to nerf, they'll be like, who are you? Like, I'm not going to hire you. That's a terrible philosophy. But just five years ago, you know, it's six years ago, five, six, maybe seven years ago, you would have 85% of people thinking it was a good idea. And by people, I mean game developers. So... One of the fads that's going around right now is you don't have to tell players what the rules are. In fact, it's better not to tell players what the rules are. Even the players that really want to know it. This goes beyond confusing your casual players who have too much information, right? This isn't like the options where you go into your options and then there's a advanced options and the UI people are just like, ah, oh, I hope the people who would get confused by these additional options just never click on advanced options because they know they're not advanced enough. Um, not even that, like game developers are starting, uh, not starting, they've, they've gotten a little bit into the way of just wanting to hide information from even the most sophisticated players. And, um, they don't really have a reason for that at that point. It's moved past the initial stage where at first all information is available. Then someone said the smart thing and it says, vast majority of people don't want all the information it's just confusing to them they actually quit the game more often look here's a bunch of stats i'm right and, and that guy was right uh and now we're on to the part where people are like well if i don't have to tell my players the information uh, i can actually make an overall better product because it'll be exploited more slowly because once we have numbers we exploit that's what players in competitive games do um and we'll have a literal zero risk of confusing players because the, the, there's no information out there. Like, it's not even like the, the percent of the player base that are like, I actually want this information, but really they don't want this information. And when they see the information, they get too overloaded and too anxious. And they're like, oh my God, everyone knows this information. If I don't know this information, I can't win. Like Murps is saying, right? Like, if you don't have this kind of game information, you're just you're losing MMR. And then they get overwhelmed they don't play. And they otherwise would have played if they were like, oh, this information isn't out there. So I've already found all the information I could possibly find. Right? It's Especially when the information leads to... Uh, like, BGs, uh, just like for... Um, the, the, the problem with this, with this is that it's not a gradual slope. And the benefits that you obtain are gradual. Uh, such that, like, if Blizzard was like, it doesn't really matter. It's true, it won't matter a decent amount of times, but it is made worse by the fact that you either are at 99% and don't get a buddy, or you are at 100% and you get a buddy for a turn. Let's remember, a turn in Battlegrounds is everything. You miss out on a turn of you being able to scale with your buddy. Use that battle cry immediately. Uh, use that buddy to I don't just help you do something, right? Like buddies help you do something. So you at 98, 99% versus you at 100% by maybe doing something else three turns ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge, huge difference there. And... For Hearthstone to come out with esports, uh, once again, look, when we complained about Arena, one of the yeah. things was always like, okay, guys, you're taking Arena way too seriously. You know who's mm -hmm. taking BG seriously? Blizzard. They are taking BGs super seriously with Lobby and Legends. 
now you probably can't tell because there's been no announcements with details about it, but they are setting up an esports um, for it. And if you do that, holy shit, like, can you imagine if they had, let's say, Overwatch tournaments or like Overwatch League and they did a patch and they were just like, oh, uh, we're not going to let you play test before it. We're going to drop it. And yeah. you guys figure out what what happened. A- asterisk altered buddy uh, point rates. Yeah, it, <laughs> for, it, for for all buddies, not necessarily. The no, same. no, no. This would be like altered the uh, ult charge rate of every hero. Yes, right. Yes, but and you're just like, you what wait, is. what the fuck? They're, they're like, we we changed the ult gain of every hero, not just the base gain but also what they have to do to gain oh yeah. and you're just like oh my god what the hell um that's kind of what's happening it's like you create an esport and look I- i'm gonna use overwatch as an example because it's made by the same company the patch notes are readily available in the actual client first of all i i, I don't even need that i just want it to be somewhere yeah. and then they give you the numbers and then on top of that overwatch has a workshop mode where you can go there and mm-hmm. you can kind of get to tinker and see what's behind mm-hmm. the curtain and also change it right for you you, yes. you can change a lot it's um, it's a custom mode where you can change a lot but you can also see the core the the skeleton of overwatch as well which mm-hmm. hearthstone doesn't allow you to do so i like you know for all these people and I remember years ago who were like, you guys are taking it too seriously. All there is is, you know, potentially this leaderboard, which nobody, you know, like at the end of the day, nobody really or should care about because you don't get anything from it. Well, Blizzard has stated that, uh, okay, you want to enter our exclusive, and we know it is going to be very exclusive for at least the fir- first year. You want to enter our exclusive esports league and actually compete? Well, it's based on ladder MMR. <laughs> You and you know what, like all these players at the very, very top. So you, you, you know, like if you're looking at a mm. a Victor, right, or a, an educated Collins, who's number two on the leaderboards right now, or an XQN, they want this information, I'm sure. And by want, as in they will figure it out eventually. And it's these differences that differentiate them getting like yeah. a top two versus a top. 10 slot and that's going to matter and and uh decide who gets into this league like ultimately just it doesn't make blizzard or the game dev or anyone i'll I'll tell you my theory why it's like this but ultimately it doesn't make the game dev look good within its own product because what's going to happen is you're going to have this overwatch not Overwatch, this hearthstone tournament with battlegrounds and then there's going to be all these top players and random players that are good uh that have that high mmr duking it out and you're gonna have announcers and then what are they going to do? Because nobody will know this formula. You can backwards engineer it to hell. It's going to be super freaking complicated. No one will figure out this formula. I'm, I'm calling it now. That everyone can try as hard as they can. But I believe the devs when they say that it is too confusing. And they don't want to show it to you. That means this is some like Tian Ding bullshit. Where only one person somewhere knows how this works. And it's really complicated. And really, it would drive everyone crazy to know it, right? That's why they're not telling people. I buy all of that. But what that means is that the community is not going to perfectly backwards engineer it. And so everybody is going to have a different version of what they think this is. And it's so important that they're going to go hardcore in on this version. And it's going to be a big part of whether you do well or not. So what are you going to do as an announcer in this? Are you going to not talk about it? A big part of the meta is going to be what this algorithm is. And where we are in the figuring out of this algorithm and whether that's right or not. Like, if someone makes a move that is meant to increase their buddy meter, but that's a change that, like, you know, people who are trying to backwards engineer it had figured out the week before, that's a good talking point for an announcer. But the announcer wouldn't be able to say that. Because the announcer is going to have ties to Blizzard... And Blizzard doesn't want to confuse you. If they don't want to confuse the very top players, they're really not going to want to confuse their audience of just spectators who are watching an eSport, right? (coughs) So, this is a big problem for Blizzard. Um, And 
it became like this. Uh, I'm going to take a wild speculative guess that is, I would say, I don't know. I, I, I'm 80% sure this is what happened. There's an esports side to this. Their entire job is esports. Obviously, they care about esports. And part of that is caring about competitiveness and what the competitors want and blah, 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 blah. And then there's the actual dev team, which is not on the esports team. And yeah, they have a couple meetings and they talk and they maybe share some ideas. But the the dev team is not going to be driven by this esports side that just bleeds money for Blizzard, right? Like esports doesn't make money. Uh, whereas the dev team are like gods. So the dev team has a goal, which is to make Hearthstone as popular as possible and to serve as many members of the Hearthstone community as popular uh, as possible, probably with a side goal of making as much money as possible for the product, because that's partly of how the managers are going to be, you know, kind of evaluated at the end of the day. Uh, and the competitive people will say something like what we've been saying, right? Because we're more in touch with the competitive community and we'll want the information like, hey, our players need the rules or it'd be nice if players have the rules that generally one of the first tenets of a competition is that all the players know all the rules uh and the devs will say something like oh that's really hard it's going to confuse all of our players like these 99.99 percent of players is just going to have to take precedence over your 0.01 percent of players like you guys will deal with it you know it's still everyone's on an even playing ground it's not like we're secretly leaking this information to player you know to certain players that we like and not other players or anything so this will be just kind of part of the game, you know, that they have to figure out if they want to be at that level. Um, but meanwhile, we have a way less confused player base. And uh, if you put this information out there, people are going to get discouraged. People are going to be like, oh my god, what a complicated system. The system's already kind of complicated. We really want to simplify it as much as possible. So we're just going to keep it opaque. And then the competitive side says, okay, they have no leverage. Yeah, it's tough. And that's what happens. So uh, when a dev just publicly comes out and says, you will probably be confused, but even if you're not, 99.99% of the population playing this game is going to be too confused. Uh, if they're just coming out and saying that, that's not the first time they've said it. That's not the first person they've said it to. That means that that is more or less the company line. Maybe just internally, not necessarily externally, but not controversial. Not controversial enough that Celestion would be like, oh, I shouldn't say that. That was like, yeah, I can say this. We all believe this here. This is part of what we do. Like, I'm, I'm just helping people out by providing information, right? You ask the question of what the actual details are. I'm providing you the answer, which is that you don't need to know the answer and you shouldn't really pursue it because it's just really complicated. Uh... Like, this is not uh, this is not a rogue debt, right? This is the entire philosophy and everyone's on board, more or less. Yep. So, look, uh, this is where we're at with BGs. Um, remember, this is a limited-time event. That's not a maybe. That is a has-been-confirmed-by-Blizzard that this is a limited-time event. They said it will be longer than the spells, and the spells were, I believe almost two months about two months so this will be more than two months and it probably should because they put a ton of work into mm -hmm. here and i don't think you should be doing this much work for just two months uh of an event no way now uh what does that mean for this two months because i've certainly painted a picture that you know if you're saying well murps you don't like it that is true i am not currently enjoying this bg patch and i had plans before to grind this patch potentially make a push for the leaderboard if i liked it now i kind of just don't want to play it period uh i think it's entertaining enough such that i'll watch some streams <clears throat> uh, put it on the background during the day but it is not something that i think i will like to play uh and that's fine you know patches aren't for everybody and for me, the most important thing is because I, even when I don't play BGs, I like watching it. I'm invested in BGs as a game. Just like, for example, I'm invested in Overwatch and StarCraft and some of them, for example, like StarCraft. Football. I never, yeah, football. I never play these things. 
Uh, football, there's no way in hell I'm playing these. But I'm interested in seeing how, uh, you know, what happens, right? So if BGs uh, are, you know, like if they react, if they change the buddy system quickly, or if they just sort of make the game more fun as either a player or as a viewer, that's fantastic. I would love for that to happen. But for me right now, it's just not something, unfortunately, uh, that I am interested in grinding, much less playing to even a moderate degree. And that's okay, you know? Um, it seems as though watching the BG streamers, their reaction has been positive, you know, with some reservations here or there. And, and See, I, it's just, this is like... Just I, I just need to. It, this is a bad thing when the reactions are positive with some interjections. We're in week one. The reactions should be near overwhelmingly positive because the reactions are just going to get worse. Like there's going to be a little yeah. bump up when they add the armors back in. Whenever they do that, because they will, because it's also kind of dumb not to, and they have a system for it, presumably. Uh, unless that was also attending. Um, and, uh, and and there's going to be a little bump in popularity with it. But it's not starting out in a place that it should have for something that had this much work and is like kind of like flashy. Like it's, it's not a poorly designed system by any stretch. Yes, maybe it'll get a lot better when the armor system returns, which hopefully soon because they should have a good idea about what heroes are good and what heroes are bad. Uh, that's a, one of the real problems with this patch. I uh, there was one particular hero choice in which you know I, I bought the pass as well, so I had four choices. But I remember I just had absolute trash picks. Uh, I think I had like AFK Pyramid. Uh, who else? Um, I, I I don't remember like who the other two were. Oh, one of them I think was like Deathwing, and I was just like. Wow, these are bad. Like, you know, we're talking about heroes that were bad before the patch, and then they got bad buddies, which means there were some good to decent heroes that got good to decent buddies. So, once again, the distance is even wider. And there's no armor. <laughs> so these bad heroes that used to get armor don't get armor. And the worst, the final killing blow on this is you look at some of these heroes... And if you remember what AFK's buddy does, which is give plus one, plus one to tier three uh, heroes, Deathwing's buddy just gives your minions three more attack, whoop-de-doo, unfun. That is the death blow. When something is so weak and so unfun, you just get a terrible feeling when you get that. That is a no choice. Do I feel like I would feel even better if it just like sort of you know, I limited my choices and like didn't even see that because that means I low rolled right there. And I forgot what my fourth year was. It was like bad, but not like unpickably bad. I, I, I picked that one. Uh, but I'm just like, wow, that was terrible. And now I'm going to have an experience of like maybe probably closer to 10 minutes, but I don't know, maybe like 20 minutes in which I am just regretting my pick. Uh, I feel bad about it, and uh, I'm just like, okay, how can I try to salvage MMR in the best way possible, and then to roll again? And I remember my next roll, I was not happy with either. The game is very, very hero-centric now. It's very hero-centric, mm -hmm. and that really sucks. So these are the reasons that I don't love it. Now, some people are playing, and they like the shiny new toys, which is also very understandable, because there are lots of shiny new toys. Uh, the climb is still pretty addictive for some people because you win some at the start of any reset. You get like 300, 300, 300. That's nice. I think there's enough there to keep people occupied. But the real test for Blizzard is two, three weeks from now, a month from now, what's going to happen? Is anything going to happen? Uh... I, I'm very curious to see what their response is going to be because yes, that is exactly going to be around the time when even the most ardent supporters are going to be like, okay, well, I get it now. 
but now what, right? Like, are you going to mm-hmm. reintroduce armor? Are you going to balance some of these that are uh, clearly just a little bit too good? What you could also do is like, hey, can we just make AFK a little better? Can we make yeah. some of these heroes a little bit better? So, so they have to, right? Let's say this is going to last four months. I'm picking four months because it's double two months and two months with spells. And that just um, I'm going to use four months as my best guess. They're not going to do no BG balancing patches in four months. Like, yes, that, that, that's, that's outside of the realm of imagination of what they can do to a mode that they care about, right? So all this is going to happen. It's just a question of how good Blizzard is it doing it and how wide of a brush Blizzard does it with. Because there's so many places that you can change. And as we know, when you mess with a bunch of different things, there are unintended consequences all over the meta and things go like in weird ways. And they're not testing any of these patch changes, not even internally, or at least not significantly. Like if the internal testing of the buddies patch was over like so many months and was not good, what do you think this test of like a balance patch that they need to kind of rush out because they really don't have that much time to work on it? It'll just be from the whiteboard you know, through someone who's looking at it and being like, oh, let me think, is this going to mess things up? What's going to happen? And then just coming out, right? So it's going to be interesting what they patch and whether it's entirely possible that at least some of the patches, if not most of the patches, are not helpful. Like outside of the armor patch, which is almost guaranteed to be helpful. Everything else has decent chances of backfiring because they're going to move too many pieces at once because there's so many pieces that need moving. Yep. That's where we're at. We'll, we'll see what happens. But until then, I will be uh, probably playing some other games. I'll be seeing when the D2R ladder comes out. Oh my god. That is that is going to be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Question from the GOAT. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash goat. Pokemon. You're really into Pokemon, Murps. I, I am. Have you played Pokemon Legends? What do you think about it? Should I get it? I think everybody should get it. The thing that surprises me uh, is the reviews are like aren't as high as I think they should be for this mm. game. Uh, and typically, I'm I'm kind of like a, a downer on uh, these sorts of games. You, and, and you really do not like Pokemon games. And, and for y- a Pokemon, game. yeah. If if you guys say and it's like, oh, Murps, you are you, you know you're just a blind Pokemon stan. Uh, I, I don't like any of the main series games recently, and I don't understand how they get such high scores. Uh, I, I certainly don't think that they deserve them because they have just been using the formula over and over and over again. Now, do I like aspects of them and do I like Pokemon? Sure, but I disagree with all of these like scores, right? How uh, many hours are you in right now so far? I'm not that many hours in. It's been a busy okay. weekend. Um, yeah. So I'm only like, you know, just to give you an idea. I mean, it only came out on Friday. By well, the way. Right, right. On uh, but my team is only like level 30, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I'm not that far. There are some people who have beaten it like basically by Saturday. I am not one of those people. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to be slowly working my way through the game. And I'll tell you guys a few reasons why it's a great game. Now, this is completely spoiling or free. Uh, first of all, um, I think that this game, out of any game, because I I think some people look at main games and then they see Legends Arceus as, oh, it's a side game where they're going to do crazy, you know, weird things, right? And then, uh, this is where they can experiment and it's a side game, kind of like Mystery Dungeon, or it's like a Pokemon Snap in, Mm -hmm. in which it's just so far from a main series game, right? And I will tell you, this game, out of any game that has come out recently, has made me feel like this is the authentic, genuine Pokemon experience. Mm. Uh, And part of that is the fact that, okay, when I think Pokemon, you know, the whole sort of like, oh, I'm going to walk through towns in a... Let's face it, like people use the word hallway simulator as as very negative connotation, right? There is no more of a hallway simulator than Pokemon, which just funnels you through one path uh, in in these main games. Funnels you through one path, you battle all these people who just happen to have Pokemon sort of in ascending difficulty and levels. You know, you face these uh, gym leaders, etc., etc. It is just... 
like man was it innovative and great in 1999 hell yeah when you get to the eighth iteration and not just the eighth iteration like it's more like the 50th iteration if you're talking about like uh remakes expansions and all of these like popular fan roms and everything holy hell um it gets tiring and that should not be what a pokemon experience is because if you look at you know the show and everything it's about exploration it's about discovery there is no discovery in the main game and how that how they do things there is no kind of like sense of wonder and in legends arceus they actually do that from the open world system uh to just the fact that like you know you, you don't feel as much so and i understand they obviously funnel you with the main quest and everything it doesn't feel as rigid and as step oriented because it's not like third gym's done time to go to the fourth gym <laughs> uh i hated that feeling and also one of the most important things is the seamless transition uh going from the overworld into battle back into the overworld so if you guys know let's go eevee and let's go pikachu really introduced the idea of like hey you should be able to see pokemon you shouldn't just go into grass and then the screen swirls and then suddenly the Pokemon's there. That's terrible immersion. Like, it takes you out of any immersion, I think. Uh, and that mechanic has was in the game for way too long. Once again, was it okay for 1999? Yeah, that was the literally only way you could do it. Cause... But, like, it was not okay by, like, 2005. No, so it was not okay. Was like, and Pokemon kept whatever. doing it. Yeah, Pokemon was like, whatever, we got something. They didn't want to change it. And then it took until, like, let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu. I was like, finally, thank you. Except, at that time, you could see Pokemon. But when you touch them, you still, you know, mm -hmm. the screen still changed. And you went into a stagnant battle with them. Uh, or a stagnant kind of, like, you know, basically uh, showdown. Now, what happens is you seamlessly transition. So, yeah, is there still a little bit of an animation? Sure. But, you know, your screen doesn't, like, black out and change. You're still there. You are able to move around with your character while your Pokemon battles. I'm just like, this is it. Like, 20 years, <laughs> 22 freaking years later, yes. It's like, so, I should be able to move my character. Um and like you know there's these wild pokemon it's not always a one-on-one -on -one. so for example if you fight a pokemon and there's other pokemon sort of close by they will join the battle um and it might not be as apparent to you uh but you're like oh uh, yeah if there's two zubats close together um in the old games if i just touched a zubat i would just face that zubat and now it's like if you face that zubat the other one three feet away is like oh hey bro uh, you seem to be having trouble. I'm going to join you. Like, yes, that's how it works. And then you can move around as your character while your Pokemon battles to try to, like, I don't know, like, just do things sometimes. Like, it, it, it's just a way it should be. Uh, so, highly recommend it. I'm so surprised that the scores are this low for something... Not so, just innovative, but actually give you the true Pokemon experience. So for people who are not following this super closely like we are, the meta score is, 50, is 85, which is not very bad. 85 is like good. Metacritic, if you don't know, is pretty harsh yeah, yeah, on yeah. things. So 85 is actually quite a good score. I was expecting this game to be like 80 to 82. Um, so 85 is not bad. And that's the meta score, which is the critic score. So critics generally like it. They don't think it's the best thing ever. Not like a must play, but like a very good game. Uh, the audience score is 7.6, which is not very good. That's not It's good. not terrible, yeah. but it is not very good. There's a big gap between it and the critic score and the meta score. And usually that's the case if your meta score is like in the 90s, which very few games have. And then some people are like, well, this game's actually trash. And it just brings the score down. But for meta scores, like in like 80 to 85 range, the user scores are usually kind of similar. Not 10 points behind. Um, and going through it, it seems like the people who really like the game still see the flaws of the game, right? They're not giving it 10s or 9s even at a very high rate. There's a lot of 8s. A lot of 8s. 
And then the people who don't like it, there's a lot of people that are just super turned off by either one, the grindiness, which I'm guessing you haven't hit yet because you're not as deeply in, but apparently it's ridiculous to fill the Pokedex. So but, that you know, I don't, like I don't that. actually mind that yeah, much. Like, that extends the game, right? Like, what else are you doing in Pokemon? Well, it's also much. So the the thing that they did, uh, for example, it's much faster now as well. So it's like, y- I-, I will tell you, if I well, had to, like, well, it's it, it's faster to see a Pokemon. It's not faster to fill the Pokedex. No, you no, have no to, like, it, it, see every move and like do everything. Well, you, you can also just catch, like, for example, I can chain catch like three Bidoofs in about, uh-huh. I don't know, ten seconds. Yeah. But but you have to get the Bidoof to do like five different moves on your Pokemon. No, you don't. So really, no. Uh, so uh, in that order to no no no, I've in, just been reading. I have not. Yeah yeah. yeah. In order to quote complete the Pokedex, you just need ten levels from that Pokedex. So you could battle the Bidoof and keep on watching it do a move, or I can just catch a ton of them and kill a ton of them. Mm, or I see. Okay. So it. That's another so, so thing. So you don't actually have to complete any of these like little mini quests no, in there. No, you can pick and choose just which add ones to the meter to add to the meter. And once the meter hits I ten, see. you have quote completed it. That's another I thing see. I like about it. Okay, you okay. you never That's pretty good. yeah you you don't have to like catch a lot of them. You don't have to defeat a lot of them. You don't have to like sit there and watch it like rail on your Pokemon with a specific move. Right? You can choose. Uh, to do a mixture of it, to do mostly all of it, right? You could just go around throwing, chucking Pokeballs at Bidoof's and catch like a billion of them and get your points that way. Cool. The game's like, sure, do that. It's all, that's why I, that, that's one of the reasons that why I like it. Now, the people that just want to be like, I want to catch one Bidoof and be done with Bidoof's <laughs> forever. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. But, you know, it's an open world and I don't mind doing. And you're going to see a lot of Bidoof's. Other thing, yeah, you're gonna see a lot of Bidoof. So I'm like, okay, sure, I'll just keep on chucking some Pokeballs at them. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and the other thing that everybody has a problem with is the obvious one, which is that the graphics are. Yes, are they are bad. Three generations behind. They are bad, but it's one of those things where I don't know what. I, I, I feel like people are just like, oh man, it's, you know, the Pokemon Company, it's Nintendo. The graphics should be better, but at the same time, we are, especially in 2022, uh, we love a lot of games that, let's face it, have pretty shitty graphics and we're like, oh, Mm -hmm. it adds to the charm of it. Um, And I get the fact that, yeah, Pokemon Company has a ton of money, like maybe they could do better, but the graphics for me have never been the be all end all. Um, so I don't really care as much for it. It's just about the presentation and the presentation is a mixture of the gameplay, the mechanics, the graphics are, are a piece of it. And do I wish the graphics were better? Yes. Do I think the presentation is good enough slash already very good with the graphics that they have? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that I have enough immersion. I think that the visual aspect of it is good enough to accomplish what they need to accomplish and at the end of the day for a lot of games that's really what you need to do right um yeah a good example is this game that i've been playing a lot of people have been playing because it's only three bucks on steam vampire survivor and it is just a bullet hell 2d game and the graphics look like they come from the 90s like you know early sort of like nintendo super nintendo graphics Mm -hmm. and people love it and i understand it's an indie developer it is meant to do sort of that stuff and for pokemon it's like well they could spend more money uh i think it's not that i think there's like like for example no one praises the graphics in that like uh ocarina of time mario 64 era right like that does not withstand the test of time particularly well no people Whereas, people praise 64 when it came out yeah, oh no not what i'm not saying when it came out oh, i'm saying okay. no one praises it today whereas plenty of people think that games that are on the super nintendo or the nes look great today right 
like you may have to put a filter on it or something but like that level of picking oh right right so it's, it's the difference between like ocarina of time versus wind waker right in which people look at wind waker and yeah, they're like exactly wind waker, wind waker could waker be made today better. yeah yeah wind yes. waker could be made today and people are like Yes, that's a 2022 yes. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I get what So the mean. Pokemon game graphics, uh, the Pokemon Legends graphics, you can tell they're trying to do the Wind Waker thing, but they don't quite pull it off. And then sometimes it's just, it, it gets to, to areas of like, I don't know, the repeating water was hilarious. Um, that yeah. you're just like, this is not like, you, you went in a bad art direction with this. And on top of that, it's not like the Switch can't run pretty graphics. You literally just had Pokemon Snap with very good graphics and before that or like after that like you had a like i was playing dragon quest which is another like open world kind of game right open world jrpg and that had excellent graphics so it's not something that the switch can't do it's something that this game just kind of decided not to do uh so i think there's there's some like i know i'm a little disappointed by that and i'm not even the biggest graphics guy um but that is that's lowering the hype for me compared to something like pokemon snap which looked great and and looked great on the switch and looked great in the previews um but well we'll see i'll i'll, I'll let you guys know how i feel about it once i actually uh either get my hands on it or or watch brand new play it i don't know if i'm gonna play it in the like near future i'm sure i'll eventually play it i assume that you know it, it, it's gotten good enough reviews that i'm, I'm interested but uh, i don't need to be playing it right now Okay. So, look, um, I encourage you guys to play it, to try it. Um, this review is coming from somebody who loves Pokemon, uh, but has been very disillusioned with uh, the main games recently. So, I, I, I can tell you guys, like, I bought Pokemon Sword. I never finished Pokemon Sword. And as for uh, the Diamond and Pearl remakes, I never considered buying those for a second i don't want to play remakes of diamond and pearl i have i played both when they first came out and that's when i wasn't tired yet of the formula i'm just tired of that formula and i was like okay pokemon you you have to change if you come out with gen 9 and it's the same thing you know maybe a few more mechanics uh, a couple more bells and whistles and then you know just like new pokemon right i don't know if i would buy that because i Love the franchise, but I don't want just a reskin of the same form, like the same format over and over again. However, what I'm seeing from Pokemon Arceus, I, I can say that if they look at Pokemon Arceus and their philosophy is not like, oh, let's make a game that just like, you know, will have no impact on the main games and it's just sort of like a project for us to do on the side, like pokemon snap mm -hmm. was and they're looking at it as in this will be a jump off point for big changes and sort of like a philosophical difference in how we approach the main games then i'm back all the way i think pokemon arceus is one of those games in which if we look at this as a potential turning point i'm i'm just like hopping right back on i will play all of their games because i think this is going towards a very good direction is it perfect no it's not perfect. pokemon mmo there when? I, I know right um th there are still a lot of things wrong with the game but we're we're trending towards a much better direction whereas i was already off the bandwagon for sword shield and then the diamond pearl remakes uh, I thought that I was like, I'm not replaying this this thing just with new skins. It's just mm -hmm. not happening. Um, so yeah. very, very happy with it. If what I am saying and sort of where I was reflects what where you guys are, if you're listening, you're on the fence about getting it. Know that, you know, this isn't coming from somebody who loves the the recent Pokemon mainstream games. I love Pokemon as a franchise, and, you know, I have a lot of the toys, I have a ton of cards, uh, but I actually hated the games recently. Arceus changed my mind, and I am very optimistic about the future. Cool. I mean, I remember 
what junior high school this is like when I, I distinctly remember this conversation we had on the bus or like when we were playing basketball or something in, in junior high school where we just spent like half an hour maybe an hour talking about how cool the pokemon like mmo because we were playing diablo at the time so we didn't really think mmo in terms of like world of warcraft which didn't exist yet but we thought something like it maybe more diablo than like world of warcraft in terms of interconnectivity and how that's got to be like right around the corner right like maybe in like two three years like four years five years tops like then it was going to be so awesome and like just looking back on that I can't believe we're here 20 years later and Pokemon MMO is like maybe a twinkle in some developer's eye. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't but, know um, if Nintendo is just like, okay, we are, you know, we already have a cash cow and why rock the boat? It's like as maybe in, I don't know how many years when we need that jolt, then we'll announce yeah. it and then we'll get that money. The problem is... And this is like the double-edged sword. Pokemon today is by far the most profitable media franchise. And it it is not slowing down. Like, it, mm-hmm. it is just not slowing down. When you look at merchandise, the shows, the video games, it is a Goliath. And kids today like it as well. Which means we are never seeing an MMO. Because you know why? That's how you can mess up. Let's look at Blizzard with, like, Diablo 3, right? <laughs> when something is hyped up that much and then you drop the ball that hard. Um, okay, but Diablo 4 still has an absurd level of hype. Yes. So it's not like But you didn't do franchise. yourself any favors with Diablo 3. So mm, You made a lot of money. It made a lot of money, but it also created a lot of memes. And right now, uh, Pokemon's reputation is pretty freaking good Mm -hmm. uh as in even when they came out with sword and shield obviously sword and shield got review bombed but it was like a lot of angry people being like you didn't put enough pokemon in here and it's like okay well sure um but they they obviously don't really want to rock the boat they don't want to change will it actually take some media franchise dethroning them and they're like no we want this back pokemon mmo time I don't know, but it actually saddens me a little bit that they are this successful because if you're that <laughs> successful, you probably don't need to take that risk. Yep. Yep. All right. That's it for the LifeForge podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Until then, this is Adwikta. This is Murps. See you guys. <laughs> Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>